0: New York game day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks.
1: Kiwi, how you doing?
2: I'm doing fantastic. How are you, you got, doing?
1: You got out of New York fine, didn't you?
2: I did. I did. <laughs> you,
1: beat, you beat the storm, baby. You beat the yeah, storm.
2: Yeah, I beat it. I definitely beat it. Um, yeah. God bless everybody who's still up there, even farther northeast. I mean, I know it's going to be a big one. I've been through plenty of those myself, and I'm glad that, you know, the airport didn't shut down on me. So we're good.
1: <laughs> um again it is uh new york game day here on 98.7 espn a lot to get to and uh, and none probably more important kiwi than the fact that the giants now not only do they have a new gm in place with joe shane but also a new head coach in brian dable your your thoughts uh when you first heard about the hire
2: uh to be honest i i thought it was it was a missed opportunity and and here's why i think um when it comes down to it history is going to tell us whether or not um it was the right hire in terms of win losses. So there's, there's nothing wrong with the hire in my eyes. I think the missed opportunity is Brian Flores not getting the job. I think he was also a very strong candidate. And when you look at the situation and how it played out, it reiterates the importance for diversity and inclusion at the highest levels in front offices and and, in all the organizations, because the NFL, I think more than, any other industry has shown and proven that, you know, you you rise through the ranks and you hire your friends. And oftentimes the guys who come up with you look like you. And, and it just, it, it's a situation that has been, that the league has been trying to address. Um, I thought this would, would have been a great opportunity for another African-American quarterback or African-American uh, coach to get an opportunity. Um, and it's just, you know, it's disappointing, but in terms of how the team is going to fare, I, I think you know these two, Shane and Dable. They they have the credibility, they have the skill set, they have the um, you know the the pedigree behind them. So you know, time's going to tell as to whether or not those were two of the good decisions.
1: So uh, Cynthia Freeland, who you know, of course, you went to college with, and, and your very dear mm-hmm. friends uh, with, was on with me yesterday. I, I, I replayed that interview. on on the program just a few minutes ago, and as you know, uh, she worked really closely with the Buffalo Bills, so I thought it'd be great to have Mm -hmm. her on to kind of give us some insight. and uh, Rave reviews in regard to the hiring of Joe Shane, even better reviews in regard to Dable. Even though, you know, there's a lot of talk here like, you know, could this be dangerous for the organization considering this is a first-time general manager and, oh no, a first-time head coach, but... You know, there is there is a a lengthy resume when it comes to Dable, right? Like he's been in the coaching circuit for 25 years. He's worked for a number of teams, Cleveland, Miami, Kansas City. He's been an offensive coordinator for several years. Heck, he even worked at Alabama with Nick Saban. He was there when Tua won a national championship. Uh, he's really well-respected in the industry. And more importantly, you know, a lot of credit is given to him in regard to the development of Josh Allen. Like Josh Allen, we could sit here and we could, you know, debate and argue, is he a top five, top ten quarterback in the NFL? But he didn't start that way, Kiwi. And, and a big a big reason, and, and what I loved and what I've heard about Dable is the commitment to teaching. And I, and I think this is, you know, you being obviously a former player and understanding, you know, what the league was like maybe 10 years ago compared to now. And one of the biggest complaints I hear from talking to head coaches when they have to pick their coaching staff is they want to pick head coaches, want to pick coaches who still pride themselves on teaching. And there's very few head coaches out there who work for head coaches that want to teach anymore. They just want to, they want to instruct and they want, they want to teach them the game plan each and every week. But they're not necessarily teaching them to hone their craft and better their skill set. A, do you agree or disagree with that? And B, what do you think the percentage is? Because what I'm hearing is that they're few and far between. And when you do compile a coaching staff that still prides themselves on teaching players, it's a win-win.
2: Yeah, there's a lot to impact. There, we'll start with um, uh, the quarterback situation. So that was one of the things that was most exciting to me, uh, with this hire is that if Josh Allen's, um, development was, um, uh, if, if, um, uh, uh, if the coach is was responsible for Josh Allen's development, that means a whole lot of good is going to come out of the Daniel Jones situation, which is obviously the most important, one of the most critical things we heard, you know, John Mayer come out and say that we, we did everything we could to screw this guy out, screw this guy up. And, you know, he's right. So if there's a, a way for his career to, to come back and to be salvaged, if they can get that offensive line fixed and, and every, everything can get moving in the right direction. I mean, I think that would be the the, the main thing that, that comes out of, of this hire. Um, uh <laughs> you, I know, you, no, you, no you I know, a, you I know, I, I, I know. I threw, threw I, I threw a
1: lot at you. I know, and it's only, yeah. it's only eight fifteen in the morning, and I'm not sure if your, <laughs> if your Uber Eats deliver driver delivered <laughs> your coffee already this morning, but he sure, sure got me at like six a.m. But um, you know, so, so I guess my, my point is, you know, this is, and this is where I'm going because, by the way, my, my Twitter feed is blowing up with Giants fans that are listening to the show right now. I must have like over twenty responses on Twitter. Uh, that are upset that I said the Giants more than likely are going to pick up Daniel Jones's fifth-year option. Based on what we heard from John Mara, right? And I, I want to tee this up. We'll go to break. We'll come back. Phone lines are open. <laughs> Based on the response that I got uh, on my Twitter feed, I would imagine we're going to get a lot of calls here. 800-919-3776. But I want you to marinate in this for a minute, Kiwi. When we we get back, I want to hear your response. And that is, you know, John Merrick came out and he was very transparent. He said, we as an, organization, org- as an organization has done everything to screw up Daniel Jones. And sure enough, they have, right? Like no offensive line, a revolving door of of offensive coordinators, not a lot of talent. If, they, if, if you do look at Sterling Shepard and... And Galladay is talent, fine. But you know what? They weren't on the football field the majority of the time this season. So what was he working with? Like, like, there's a slew of reasons why, in my opinion, we have not seen Daniel Jones. We we haven't had a fair assessment of Daniel Jones. So with that being said, because, and I'm going to compound that with Joe Shane coming out and saying, we are screwed. Well, these are my words. We are screwed salary. Like the salary cap situation is a serious issue. Um, it's going to take a mastermind and a, magi- a magician to really better the situation here. I'm sure that they will better it somewhat, but this is an organization. They have to play with Daniel Jones at 7.8 million dollars this year. Okay, I do believe they pick up the fifth year option. And based on the comments we've heard from Joe Shane, based on the comments we've heard from John Mara, the fact that they go out and they bring in Dable and what he's been able to accomplish with with Josh Allen, to me, read the tea leaves. The tea leaves to me is that the Giants are going to pick up the fifth year option and they're gonna they're they're gonna do everything in their power to try to put Daniel Jones in a really good situation the next two years and make an assessment then. This is what my this is what I believe is gonna happen. We get back, I want to hear what you think is gonna happen I, I, I want to hear what you you think is going to happen because there are it's a plethora of Giants fans right now that are disgusted with that comment and disgusted with with that possible scenario.
0: New York game day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka and Anita Marks.
1: Your thoughts on if uh, I want to say when Uh, the giants do pick up that fifth year option and are committed to see what they can do with Daniel Jones, the next two, two years, Uh, your thoughts on, on that possibility.
2: Yeah, I think, I think that's the assumption bringing Dayball in is that he was responsible for the development of Josh Allen and he can come in here and he can do something similar with Daniel Jones. And they're setting expectations now, <laughs> you know, don't, I, I I understand it. They don't want to make any promises and they want to set expectations. But I think when you look at it from you know the outside, looking down on it, that has to be part of the plan. OK, you know, we've committed to Daniel Jones. We supported him. Um, publicly, you know, giving him every opportunity to go into this year with the belief that he he's going to be um, helped a lot more, and they're going to try to put their efforts into developing him. And so, it, it's a lot of it's going to be hinging on that. I think one thing that um, the Giants did get right in this decision was it came out beforehand that they were going to pick the GM and allow the GM to, to pick the coach. And it seems as though they went that direction. They, they step back and, and let the GM, um, you know, make that decision. And from that comes the. There's no, um, there's 100 percent accountability. You know, from the beginning to the end, this is Joe Shane's uh, project. This is his 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 baby right now, and and he's going to be able to you know to stand up and say, hey, these were my decisions. I made these, and so we we have expectations on him as well as expectations on the coach, and nobody can wiggle out of that.
1: Uh, I I know Ty wants to chime in before we go to our our our, our callers. Uh, Ty, what, what your thoughts on the I, Daniel I, Jones situation? Yeah, I just
3: wanted to throw this at you guys I w- watched last week and as we all did and we came away thinking this might be the best week in the football we've ever seen mm-hmm. and it was highlighted by excellent quarterback play and Barrow didn't put up a lot of points but to get sacked nine times and to hang in there not fumble not turn the ball over and still have your team in position to win we know the talent is there we watched Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes that is the formula for success and it had me thinking about daniel jones like we keep questioning is he the guy can he ultimately become the franchise quarterback for the giants i don't think that there's any trajectory for him becoming any of those guys and and what we're seeing in this league is if you don't have a top eight top ten quarterback and i don't i know the niners are a bit of an aberration but generally speaking if you don't have a top eight top ten quarterback you're drawing dead to contend for a championship so I, I watch those guys, and and I get Daniel Jones' offensive line weapons. Can he stay healthy? Is he ever going to become those guys? And to me, I, I haven't seen anything uh, that would suggest that, that otherwise.
1: So, so really quick, and and you make an excellent point, Ty. I just want to go through the teams that made it to the postseason, and and I'm going to throw out, I'm going to throw out quarterbacks that I would take Daniel. I would take this chance. Okay, I, I, now let me preface. I'm not saying that Daniel Jones is better than these quarterbacks. What I am saying is that based on the athleticism, dude runs 22 miles an hour. I don't know very many guys who or, or gals who run 22 miles an hour, okay, even in track. Um, he's big. He's got a really strong arm. He's accurate. He's committed. He's smart. And his makeup fits for, and you know this better than anyone, and, and folks might not be aware of this. Maybe you are, but, like, when when the Giants – consider bringing in a quarterback, they have, to, they, they have to take into consideration a player's personality and his makeup because it's, it takes a very unique athlete, especially to play quarterback here in New York City. Uh, hence, like they did with Eli Manning. You, you, it's, it, not every quarterback uh, can play here, even as good as they are, uh, because of the pressure of the city. With all those things, like based on those are his intangibles, I don't feel that the Giants have done a good job tapping into them so I'm willing to roll with Daniel Jones over these quarterbacks that made it to the postseason to see what do I truly have here with a regime that is going to do right by him. I would I would I would spend the next two years investing in him over Ryan Tannehill, Ben Roethlisberger where he is right now, okay, um, Derek Carr, Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. So, I mean, and and, and those to, are those are those are five quarterbacks that had subpar seasons that helped their teams get to the postseason. So I'm, to just, tie, I'm just I'm sharing to that.
2: Point, to Ty's point, though, um, Daniel Jones does does not appear. Even though even if he is helped by Dable, even if he is uh, um, developed and becomes better, is he a guy who's going to be able to go? Blow for blow with Mahomes or, or Josh Allen, uh, I think that's what he was saying. Is that if there's not this trajectory for Daniel Jones to become that guy, like to be that dude who can go up and down the field when the game's on the line and and, and do all this and that, um, then what are we doing? Are we just kind of spinning our wheels? You can correct me if I'm wrong, Ty, but it sounds like that, that's what. Yeah, you're saying. that's
3: exactly what I'm saying. You, you look at the league. It's Burrow. It's Herbert. It's Mahomes. It's Josh Allen. Like all these young quarterbacks, mm-hmm. where either in year one or in year two, we knew it. And with Daniel mm-hmm. Jones, we're going into year four still questioning. Like, what is there a precedent for us to enter year four with a guy who's never been healthy, and, and now all of a sudden he becomes one of the top eight, top ten quarterbacks?
1: That, that's but, just
3: my, my concern with, with Daniel Well,
1: Jones. I, I think, first of all, I think it's a lot to ask a quarterback to be a top eight, top ten quarterback. I mean, it's, first the,
3: it's the NFL, first, though, Anita. First, like, first, we're in the business of it, winning. It doesn't giant, matter.
1: Jimmy Garoppolo, like, listen, I think the 49ers win today. And so, I said that's an it. And I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo, it, it's not that it's an aberration. And, and Kiwi, you know this better than most, man. The game is a game of matchups. And the 49ers match up better than than the Rams. I think that they're going to advance. And don't be surprised if the 49ers win the Super Bowl this year. And Jimmy Garoppolo is not even a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. So-, so you could win without a top 15 quarterback. This is my point, though. What you're, you're talking about, you're talking about Joe Joe Burrow has, has T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and. And Mixon in the backfield. Like, Saquon Barkley hasn't been able to stay healthy. His offensive line freaking sucks. And his wide receiving core can't even stay healthy. Like, my point being here is we have not given him a fair... You're, you're comparing him to these other quarterbacks that have had better opportunity. A, a, a consistency at the offensive coordinator position. A, an offense that they've been able to to get into, gel, relax, be able to digest and execute properly talent around them to be able to execute like Daniel hasn't had that. And again, I'm not sitting here, you know, defending him saying that he's going to turn into that. All I'm saying is we haven't given him a shot to show us what he can do. And, and for the giants to go and draft him where they did, which was a huge shock for all of us. I mean, I almost fell off my seat. We were live on, on radio uh, when, when they drafted Daniel Jones, I nearly fell off my seat. I was on with Larry Hardesty. We were doing a draft show. But for them to draft him where they did, I think I think the organization is committed to seeing, like, let's put him in the right situation and see what he can do. Well, what, agree what or disagree, mean? Kiwi? What
2: is it? I I agree that they're committed to him for now, and I also understand that this is the NFL, and at a certain point, it just becomes about wins and losses. And so, I I do agree, and I believe that they're publicly, you know, coming out and saying, "Hey, hey you know." This is our guy. We support him. We're going to develop him. But at the same time, I I have to believe that they're scouring, as you know, um, they like to say, you know, trying to find a a a replacement for the future if it doesn't work out. So, yeah, I I think um, it's necessary. We have to start looking at the future as 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 though there's two routes to go. Like, yeah, if Daniel Jones is able to become that guy, we're good for a while. If not, we need to figure out what the replacement is. Mm
1: Uh, And really quick, we have to take a break. We come back, and I promise when we come back, we'll go straight to the calls. Ira, Eric, Ed, hang tight. I'm sure a number of people want to chime in on this conversation. Uh, But, again, I had Cynthia Freeland on. Oh, actually, I had Vic Fangio on yesterday as well. And Vic was saying that Mitch Trubisky uh, is going to be a free agent. Don't be surprised if the Giants bring him in as a, quote, unquote, backup. He knows Dable's system because, of course, he spent last year in Buffalo That can be an interesting situation and scenario here in New York if they do sign Mitchell Trubisky to come in as the backup to Daniel Jones.
0: New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks.
2: Joining us now, we have um, Jordan Renan. Jordan, how you doing? Kiwi, what's going on, man? How we
4: doing today? We got
2: a new coach and a new GM, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So let's just jump right into it. We got a new coach. Um, obviously, we got a new GM. We were talking earlier, and to me, it seemed as though the Giants stood by their word in terms of we're going to hire um, a general manager, and we're going to allow that person to come in and make the decision on who the coach is going to be. The thing that I said you know, that I appreciated about that is the, that there's full accountability from the beginning. Um, they seem to be trying to manage expectations and not making any promises, but that's to be expected. What are your thoughts on, um, let's start with um, uh, the head coaching hire, Dable. What are your thoughts on him and, and as to how it went down or why?
4: Yeah, I mean, look, you hear a lot of good things about Brian Dable. I mean, his the results of what he pulled off in Buffalo were impressive, right? I mean, you're talking about a top five offense the past two years. You're talking about the development of a quarterback, obviously a big factor here. I mean the Giants would love if they if if they can get Daniel Jones right and make that situation right. Think about how much better shape the organization is in, right? Mm-hmm. So any way you can possibly get that maybe maybe it doesn't work. That's the that's the beauty of this. The Giants are in a decent spot. They could take a shot at it this year with Dable working with Daniel Jones. And if it doesn't work, you can just kind of, you know, look for your, your quarterback and and move on because that rookie contract is going to be up, let's say. up up the fifth-year option, which at this point, uh, probably not, not the best financial decision, right, because it's too big a risk. So uh, the, the hire makes perfect sense. And like you said, the Giants did follow through with what they said. The general manager was going to come in. They hired the general manager, and they were going to, you know, I mean, John Marr was uh, – for some reason, when he spoke to us the other day, when we were, you know, at the GM press conference, he decided to, you know, fight back against it. Like, no, no, you know, this is a collaborative effort. We, you know, we're never going to give up. Uh, you know, he said final say, but I mean, we asked him if the general manager had more, more say in the coach in the coaching search than he had in the past, and he was defiant on it for some reason. But the results say what they are, and they show that look. This is his guy. We know that. The second that Joe Shane was hired, it was assumed Brian Dable was always the favorite, right? All along, no matter what anybody said, no matter how much some people wanted to try and push Brian Flores, mm-hmm. it, it, as long as Joe Shane was going to have that influence, then he was gonna, he, Brian Dable was going to be the favorite, and now he's the coach. And like you said, the Even, accountability, they're now on the same page, right? Mm-hmm. So if something goes wrong, This is a group thing. This isn't, well, it's Pat Shermer. No, it's Dave Gentleman. No, it's Mm -hmm. Joe Judge, right? No, this Mm -hmm. is Joe Shane and Brian Dable together aligned vision, uh, philosophy, and blame if things go wrong.
2: Yeah, I, I followed your tweets. And I saw that you had tweeted that, you know, Flores was a realistic finalist and, you know, Leslie Frazier was being brought yeah. in. So it seemed as a like, how, let, let me ask you this, how close was Brian Flores to actually getting the job? You said that it was a foregone conclusion once Joe Shane came in. Um, but was there a realistic opportunity or a realistic chance that Flores would have gotten this job?
4: I think there's always an opportunity when you go into an interview that you can blow somebody away. I mean, Brian Flores is an impressive guy. I mean, I heard his interview went well. Uh, you know, and so I, I think that there was, you know, there was always a chance that he could go in there and blow him away. But look, the fact that whatever what his offensive plan would have been was still kind of up in the air, uh, to me, that was like, okay, the, you know, the Giants felt like they, we have to go with Brian Dable in this situation. He has the connection to our guy. He has the offensive plan in place, right? Because here's the deal. Right? The the offensive coordinator, the man in charge, you know, maybe Ken Dorsey comes with him as his offensive coordinator, but the man in charge, the offensive coordinator is him. It's it's the coach, right? So if if let's say whatever you know, they had multiple options on the table. So let's say whatever plan they came in with Brian Flores they hired Bill O'Brien it was something that's been bandied about there, right? Uh let's say they had hired Bill O'Brien. First of all, Bill O'Brien uh, has more success as a head coach, by the way, than Brian Flores. He won like three division titles in five years. So, if the Giants' offense had had some success bringing in Brian Flores as coach with Bill O'Brien as an offensive coordinator, what would have happened if the offensive coordinator had success? He would have gotten a head coaching job, right? So then you you wouldn't. Have, that that's not a long term plan at the at the at the co- offensive coordinator position. At the uh, you know the ability to Whoever's going to be, you know, working with Daniel Jones, whoever that quarterback is. So Brian Dable just made the most sense here in the situation, in, in multiple so, in multiple ways.
2: So, in, so in your opinion, how responsible for the development of Josh Allen was Brian Dable?
4: I mean, you got to give him a lot of credit. I mean, maybe the most credit. I mean, who who is the guy working with him every day? I mean, that's that was his job. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I give him a ton of credit on that. I think if you speak to people around the league. He's the first guy that they bring up when they say, you know, Josh Allen and his development. And it's not like it's not like, you know, okay, the giant the, the not the Giants, The Bills picked number one overall and picked Peyton Manning, right? And Peyton Manning came in and was this great quarterback. Josh Allen was a guy who needed to be developed. Right? And he's coming from Wyoming.
3: Uh-huh.
4: And he has um concerns with his accuracy. He's this great athlete, throws the ball a gazillion miles an hour, right? has a huge arm, but there's serious concern with him coming into the league. So the fact that they got him, my name is Sean McDermott, who's the head coach there. He's not an offensive guy. I mean, I know Sean McDermott from Philadelphia. And he, he, if anything, he's a defensive guy for the most
2: part. So is uh, is the expectation that Brian Day was going to be able to develop Daniel Jones?
4: I I think that's the hope, and if it, like I said, if it doesn't work out, they're in a decent spot where they can move off that really quickly, mm-hmm. right? One year move off it. Okay, it doesn't work. This isn't going to work out. Daniel's just not quite good enough. Because let's look around this weekend, right? All right, there's four teams playing. Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, uh, you got Jimmy Garoppolo, who's kind of the outlier, and Matthew Stafford. You need a. You, you don't just need a quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you have the perfect situation, you need a a top top level quarterback so if they don't think they have that then yeah just you know they can move on see what to see how they could develop them this year make and then you can make that decision you know as we sit here at this time next year yeah
2: the, we we talked about that earlier ty our producer had had a lot to say about that in terms of um what the future looks like and what are the expectations for daniel jones moving forward and if he's not going to be able to go am to head, a big daniel
4: jones fan Am I
2: right? No, I I think I think everybody just wants the Giants to win so badly. I I think I think at this point, uh, even myself, you know, I played there. uh, I understand, um, you know like how important it is to these guys. I understand, like, you know, being on the, on the, on the teams at, at the end of the day, it's, it's time to win. It's, it's time to win some games. This is a storied organization. Like we're not accustomed to losing. It's not, it's not okay by any stretch. And at this point, everything has to be evaluated and including um, quarterback play running back, whatever the situation is all, It all needs to be evaluated. So I think that's where it's coming from. Again, but-
4: have to be patient. We, I know it's hard because you're holding the past against the, against the current. Right. Mm-hmm. But, we can't just say they have to win right now. They just brought in a new regime. They just went four and thirteen. Like it's go. It, we're still. At, this is going to be a process again. I know people hate getting sold that, but that's the reality of where they are. You know, like this it, isn't gonna be like, oh, right, Brian Dable, his job is he needs to come in and win. You know, they need to go nine eight this year. I mean, that, that's probably unrealistic. They were a four and thirteen team for a reason. Mm.
2: So what is what is realistic?
4: A wins and losses, I don't know. But, I mean, like, you want them to be better. I think, I think you know, six, seven wins would be a, 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 a step in the right direction. You you, you start to have a, at least a functionable, functioning offense, one offense that shows some potential. I mean, that's that's really, I mean, that was a big thing here. That's partly by Brian Dables here. The offense was so bad. Uh, you want to see that it's moving in the right direction. But they're not going to be able to go out this offseason and add all these free agents. They don't have that money. That's not going to be in the plan, right? They have a lot of draft picks, so they're going to have nine draft draft picks right now. So what does that mean? You're going to have a lot of really young players on the field. So, again, I know you want to say, come on, it's time to win already, but you're just hired a new GM and coach. You're going to have to be patient with them. They're going to have to bring their guys in. It's a multi-year process usually. I mean, Bill Parcells used to do it everywhere he went. Granted, he could do it really quickly. But he always brought in, you know, his kind of guys. I mean, they're going to have to do the same here. It's, this is a process. It's going to take time. Okay.
2: So during during the, during the that process, what are you hearing in terms of coordinators, offense and defense? We may lose our defense coordinator. We need to fill the office coordinator spot. Who do you think or who do you expect to be pl- calling plays on Sundays on either side?
4: Yeah. Um, I mean, let's start with the offense, first of all. There's a chance uh, – pretty good chance that Ken Dorsey is the offensive coordinator and he that Brian devil is going to bring up from Buffalo. There's a few little things to get through there. Uh, Buffalo obviously doesn't want to lose their offensive coordinator and their quarterbacks coach. That's what, that's what Dorsey was. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I think that that's a strong possibility, a likely possibility. We'll see how it plays out there. And on the defensive side, I think bringing back Patrick Graham is not something that's completely out of the equation. And that's kind of why we're sitting here. You haven't really heard that much about it. The mm-hmm. Giants organization likes Patrick Graham, and mm-hmm. the he, they like the job that he did. But, and he's still under contract, by the way. But he did interview for the Vikings head coaching job. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a lot of moving pieces here, I think. And we're going to see how it sort of pans out. If not him, I think Wink Martindale is a name we should definitely keep an eye on. He was the Ravens' defensive coordinator uh, for a while, really, and, and then just got uh, fired this offseason. But that was the name kind of that I heard the most coming into it. So those those are those are the top options, I think. Now remember, this is a cycle, and there's a, there's a lot of moving pieces, and there's still a lot of more head coaching jobs that are filled. So once these all these jobs start getting filled, you know, it's like ring around the coordinators, and uh, <laughs> there there are. There's nothing set in stone yet, but uh, there's definitely names that I believe that are at the top of the list, and those are some of them.
2: Okay. And then, in terms of the team and, and salary cap wise, any moves, anything that you're expecting to happen, or is it too early to, to say?
4: I think one of the main decisions that they have to make is on Daniel Jones. Look, they're going to have to clear the salary cap. They're going to have to. They're going to have to fix it, and, and uh, you know, there's going to be some veterans that probably get. You know, cut. Well, we'll see. We, we don't know the system yet, right? It's hard to say that until you mm-hmm. know the system. We're, we're sitting here saying, okay, this might be their defensive coordinator. It might not. If Patrick Grant comes back, like, Blake Martinez is the guy he's going to want in the middle of his defense, right? Mm-hmm. If a different defensive coordinator comes in and is running a completely different defense, or they're running some sort of 4-3 all of a sudden, you know, then the tall, rangy outside linebackers, you know, are, are the, then... You know, might might be in jeopardy, and the, the, that part of it changes. So we'll see. I, I mean, the Giants don't have that much flexibility on the roster. I mean, like guys like Kyle Rudolph, uh, that that's like a probably like an easy one, where you say, here's a veteran who's making money. He was injured, banged up last year. Seems to be on the downside. We need to save money. That seems to be an easy. There, there's a couple moves like that that I see in the Giants' future. Uh, and Joe Shane was pretty clear about it: is they have to get the cap in order. And that's something they did in Buffalo. But the good news, you know, Buffalo did, they tried to compete while rebuilding and restocking. And they Mm -hmm. did that first year. They actually did. They went nine and eight. So I think Mm -hmm. that's going to be the goal. That's what they're going to try and do is compete while at the same time, you know, reshaping this team.
5: Okay.
2: I like it. Uh, let's change gears before we get you out of here. What are your thoughts on today's ga- games, um, Chiefs-Bengals? We've talked a lot about, you know, it's Spags' it's defense. You know, there's there's some injuries there, but you know they have playoff experience, and then you have the young guy. What are, what are your thoughts on this Chiefs-Bengals game?
4: You, you remember what I told you last week? I, I like the Bills, right? And I and I <laughs> said I was high on the Bills all year, and I'm probably stupid because I'm picking against Patrick Mahomes, and that's against everything I stand for. And uh, I should have known. And although, I mean, granted, that was such a great game and both teams almost kind of deserve to win in a way. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how I could sit here and say that I don't like the Chiefs because think about Patrick, what Patrick Mahomes is about to do. Four years as a starter. He's in four championship games. They win today, which I expect him to win. That would be three Super Bowls in his first four years as a starter. The one year they didn't make it was not because of him, by the way. They actually beat the Patriots, if you remember, but there was an offside, I believe, on D Ford. Mm-hmm. So D Ford jumped offside. that had the game on. So he technically almost could have been in four Super Bowls as four years as a starter.
5: Mm-hmm. Now,
4: I love Joe Burrow, I love the, the young upstart Bengals. Their offensive line. We saw that something the Chiefs and Spags, a guy who blitzes, right, likes to blitz, likes to bring the pressure. I think that is going to be a problem uh, for the Bengals. We keep saying it's going to come back and bite them. Their offensive line. I think mm-hmm. this might be the week because not only do you have to uh, play well offensively and be able to protect, you have to score points against the Chiefs.
1: Yeah. You can't.
4: You you can't score 20 points and be like, okay, maybe you know, we could still win this game. No, you're going to have to score 30-plus in order to beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. And uh, I don't, I, I think the Chiefs and Mahomes could take advantage of that secondary, too, uh, of the right. Bengals. You know. Attack yeah. Eli Apple as much as possible.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's definitely been called out. All right, switching gears, what about this 49ers-Rams game? What are your thoughts on that one?
4: Uh, that one's more of a toss-up because if you look at it, the 49ers. Actually, have the Rams' number, but again, I'm sitting here and I'm saying the Rams. I mean, this is what they were built for, right? They weren't built to win 12 games in the regular season or whatever their final record was. They weren't built mm-hmm. to win a game or two in the playoffs. No, they were. This team was put together. So, you know, they went all in. Remember, they in the middle yeah. of the season, they went and got Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. Mm-hmm. You don't do those moves unless you're trying to make a run at the Super Bowl. They're playing at home. I know they they might not feel like it's at home, but they're playing at home. Uh, they have the better quarterback in this game. If they could stop the run, uh, then they're going to go to the Super Bowl because that pass rush – did you see their pass rush last week? I mean, Brady, yeah. for like three quarters of the game, it looked like he really had no chance.
2: I I, I called it – or that I said pass- it before the game that they were going to um, – have to win that game up front and that that front uh floyd and uh donald and miller and and all the other you know guys who are are out there they they were they're put in a position at this point in their career the game is not too big for them the stage is not too big for them they have an understanding of how each other plays and they're out there able to win their one on one matchups. And I think that plays into the favor of the Rams, because, you know, after seeing a team multiple times, multiple times, the, there's only so many different things you can do schematically and try to catch a big one here and there. But it really will come down to the individual battles and the Rams are set up, you know, with veterans who have an understanding of the game and can watch an individual on film repeatedly repeatedly and figure out a way to to capitalize on that. So um, I, I agree with you on those.
4: Trent Williams was banged up the other day in the last game, yeah. right? Uh George yeah. was banged up in that game. Debo Samuel, we saw him limp off at the end. Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. was banged up. So that offense is kind of banged up. It's going to be tough for them to really uh, put together, you know, the kind of performance they probably need in order to beat that Rams team this week and that Rams front, really. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks.
5: Good morning, guys. First of all, we got to reset everything on the weather. Like right now, it's forty-six degrees down here in Boca. We got iguanas falling out of trees. We're looking for a Superman. Like we will persevere. We will make it through. I mean, <laughs> it's not twelve inches of snow, but we we will make it through. I need a Superman because these iguanas are fla- falling left and right out of the trees.
1: You must you must live I'm, I'm on a gol- you. you must live on a golf course if if you've got that many iguanas falling out of trees. <laughs>
5: Guiltiest charged, Anita. There you go. But... So
1: for folks for folks up here in, in the northeast who don't know, uh it's it's rare that temperatures fall below forty in, in Miami. And we, we have a ton of iguanas all over the place. And so when the temperatures fall below forty, uh they pretty much what they do is they go into hibernation and they'll start hibernating while they're sitting on a tree. So they're they're pretty much frozen in a sleep and they fall off the trees like like mangoes. So you really got to be careful that you don't get hit by one, especially if you're on a golf course.
5: Yeah, that's exactly right.
1: I'm
2: I'm with, I'm with you, Mike. I, I uh, I was, I was, I was in New York on um, Thursday and Friday, you know, during the snowstorm and I tried to get out of there. I was less offended by the weather in New York on you know over the weekend than I was this morning in Fort Lauderdale when I got out and I was like hey listen like I, I come down to Florida I agree to deal with the heat I shouldn't also have to deal with the cold when I'm down here as oh well, you guys you
1: are know. too much come on <laughs> stop anyway Kiwi, Mike. What
5: times are, Kiwi what times are tea time today exactly relax you guys
1: life. relax enough enough Mike your thoughts on uh, on on the moves that the Giants made this week
5: Yeah, I I couldn't be more thrilled for the Giants to get a great coach and an even better person than Brian Dayball. Let me tell you guys a story. When we were fortunate enough to trade for Brett Favre at the Jets, it was one thing to get Brett Favre. It was another to make him feel settled in and to put him in a position to be successful. And Eric Mangini was our head coach. Brian Schottenheimer was the offense coordinator. And Brian Dayball was our quarterback coach at the time. And somehow, some way, Brian found out that Brett Favre loved Crosswood puzzle somehow some way and what was really amazing was we wanted him to be engaged we wanted him to be excited like here's you know an all-time great 20-year veteran obviously much closer to the end than the beginning but he, he we wanted him to be energized and feel like to you know every day was gonna be like the first day of his career and Brian put the installation for our offense through a crossword puzzle it was the most effective form of teaching I had ever seen and sure enough, Brett came in every day, filled out his crossword puzzle and was completely engaged and was so th- uh, thankful that someone like Brian took the time to find out what Brett's passion was and then took the time to put in like the keywords to the offense through a cr- crossword puzzle. So when we talk about people that can reach people, that can be leaders, that can solve problems, I saw it firsthand with Brian. Brian is a very thoughtful person and fundamentally he's a problem solver. He wants to reach his players.
2: Awesome. So is is the expectation is the expectation that he's going to be able to do something with Daniel Jones or or are they just backing him publicly because they feel bad about the situation he's been put in?
5: Guys, if the three of us were on, you know, mad money or, you know, CNBC, I would just tell you right now to buy a lot of stock in Daniel Jones. And here's why Mm -hmm. when you really study Josh Allen at Wyoming, he had a really poor completion percentage. And John Elway, by the way, knows what a quarterback looks like. John Elway was an all-time great. John Elway was an effective GM. John Elway passed on Josh Allen. So do the New York Jets. So do the Cleveland Browns. But the Buffalo Bills didn't. McDermott, Brandon Bean, they deserve credit. But Brian Dable's got it, develop them. And when you do this for a living and study it, like I have over 25 years, most of the time, guys, most of the time, completion percentage doesn't get better. And I'm telling you, like, John Elway had the same information, and I'm sure that's one of the reasons he passed on Josh Allen. And what Brian Dayball did in making Josh Allen a more effective passer, if I'm a Giant fan, if I'm a Daniel Jones fan, I have a lot of hope that this guy is going to be able to do that with Daniel Jones exactly the way he did it with Josh Allen.
1: You know, it's, it's interesting, you know – Prior to you coming on the show in, in in the first hour from eight to nine, Kiwi ta- and I talked a lot, like extensively, in regard to the Giants picking up the fifth year option for Daniel Jones. Uh, I'm just reading the tea leaves based on the the salary cap issues that this team is in because of Dave Gettleman and uh, and Kevin Abrams and and Shane r- referring to that, on top of the comments that John Mara made, saying we've done everything to really screw up. Uh, Daniel Jones, we need to give him a good opportunity and then you combine that connect the dots with bringing in Dable who's had um, immense success with Josh Allen so I made the comment I do expect the Giants to pick up his fifth year option and I think the Giants are really going to take the next two years to really give him a fair shot to prove to them what he can do, especially Mike, where they drafted him, right? They drafted him in the top ten. So, uh, you know, do you? And, and I'm getting not that I don't. I mean, I, listen, I don't care. I'm getting destroyed on on social media. Uh, I don't Giants fans. That's not music to their ears. They want to see this organization move on from Daniel Jones. So, with all that, can you kind of break it down as a general manager in regard to where the Giants are, cap space wise? The comments that you heard from John Mara. And, and the addition of of hiring Dable, what are your expectations in regard to that fifth-year option, and do you think the Giants are going to give uh, Daniel Jones to see what he can do?
5: Yeah, well, first of all, I think when teams have you know cap space issues or dead money, I think it's so overblown by the media because I, I saw it firsthand. I saw it with the New York Jets where Coach Parcells came in and the year before they spent more money than anybody, and – in the first year, we won nine games. and second year, we won the championship game. And three times I had I hired a head coach. We were in the playoffs in year one three times in a row. Rex Ryan, Eric Mangini, Alan Gase. We saw the Philadelphia Eagles eat tens of millions of dollars in cap charges for Carson Wentz. What they do? They went to the playoffs and they have three first round picks. So this whole notion that cap, like having cap issues, can prevent you from winning, it's just not true. That's not the facts. The New Orleans Saints for the last five years, all we heard about were their cap issues and all they kept doing was winning. So it is absolutely workable. Is it ideal? No, but every team has their challenges. And by the way, when was the last time cap space made a tackle? Like I've never seen cap space make a tackle. It's the truth. Like people use that as an excuse to buy time, but that's not the facts. Look at Nick Sirianni. Look at Howard Roseman this year. And I can give you a thousand examples of it. If I'm the Giants, I pour every resource into Daniel Jones to make him successful and I had uh, competition. And, again, if you go down the, the turnpike here, guys, look at Gardner Minshew. Like, Gardner Minshew is a good quarterback. They added him to Jalen Hurts. You don't think with three first-round picks, the Philadelphia Eagles right now are taking a long look at adding another quarterback. So I have Daniel Jones. I, I appreciate what John Marr said, but I'm going to try and make him better. And maybe I go out and sign a Ryan Fitzpatrick or Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody like that. And maybe I draft another one. You can't have enough of them on a 17-game season. Look what happened you know, this season between, I mean, there's so many examples of the Kyler Murrays that got hurt. I mean, it, it eviscerated the Giants season. It cost Dave Gettleman his job probably, in, ironically, in as much as he thought he could win with Mike Lennon. So if I'm the Giants, I am scouring the quarterback position, and I hope I hit on Daniel Jones.
1: Here, yeah. here's another one for you, um, and and that is I had Vic Carucci on my show yesterday on my Saturday show, and Vic Vic kind of alluded, he didn't say it, but he alluded, you've got uh, Mitchell Trubisky, who was the backup quarterback in Buffalo, knows Dable's system extremely well, um, who's going to be a free agent this year. Now, again, you just said, you know, don't don't read too much into free agency. I, I mean, salary cap space, but you know, could could that be? a situation where the Giants, where, you know, they bring him here to be the backup, quote unquote, to uh, to, to Daniel Jones, just in case Jones starts to uh, falter in the next year or so.
5: Anita, I think that's a great idea. I know Mitch Trubisky, he, he is a humble, hardworking, smart guy. I think it's a great idea. And I wouldn't stop there, by the way. Like, bring in Trubisky, have Jones, and draft somebody. Like, tell me why it's bad to have depth at the quarterback position. And maybe the greatest general manager of our generation, Ron Wolf, he had Brett Favre, what do you do? He got Aaron Brooks, Mark Brunell, Hasselbeck. Like he just kept going and going at the quarterback position. And Mike Holgren was great at developing them. So if we know that Brian Dayball does a great job of developing quarterbacks, I draft one every year. And the worst thing you do, you train them for a lot of value down the road. So to me, I love the idea of Trubisky and Anita. Again, like I think it's really important to understand like I don't care if they went to Michigan and you get Tom Brady in the sixth round or, or wherever you get them, but make sure that you keep getting quarterbacks because that is going to turn a weakness into a strength.
2: But I, th- I think you understand it. Like some guys play better when they have competition and some guys, you it, it distracts them or they fold, however, however you want to say it. So there is a, there is an issue um, in terms of bringing in competition. If, if you were in that seat, and you were looking at bringing in players, who would you bring in and and why? Like what what type of competition are you looking for? Are you looking for competition like straight off the bat, like going into training camp? Hey, we're just going to open this up and see who's the best quarterback and who gives us the best shot? Or are you trying to um, manage the expectations by saying, hey, you know, we, we need more time, da da da
5: You know, Kiwi, like I I argue a lot on air with my friend Dan Orlowski about the whole idea of Carson Wentz and whether or not they could bring in Nick Foles. And... I would strongly urge our audience when they get a chance to Google bill Parcells commandments of being a quarterback. And basically what he talks about is you want a battlefield commander. You want a wartime general. You want somebody that's going to take blame and deflect credit. That's what a quarterback does. Like they make everybody around them better. And if you don't have mental toughness in New York, you have no shot and Kiwi and Nita, you guys know that. And to me, if he's worried about Mitch Trubisky, they got the wrong guy. Like, you know, when I was around the great quarterbacks, I was you think Brett Favre cared about who his backup was? Like, hey, Mike, you're wasting your time. Like, you're bringing in guys that are never going to see the field. But if you want to do that, go ahead. Like, that's what you know. Daniel Jones would be like, you know, bring in ten of those guys because they're all going to be sitting on the bench. Like, I don't care. Like, and if he's worried about Mitchell Trubisky, then I know everything I need to know about Daniel Jones. 800-919-3776. one nine
1: three seven seven six. I'm still <laughs> my Twitter is just blowing up. It's just it's unbelievable. Uh, the uh, the negativity um, Giants fans have for, for Daniel Jones. I just, I, I don't get it. I, I really don't, um, you know, uh, based on, on, you know, he's been sold a bag of lemons. He's been trying to make chicken salad out of chicken poop. So uh, we'll, we'll see how this progresses.
0: New York game day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka and Anita Marks.
1: Number of people want to chime in. So uh, let's kick it off with William. In orange. William, welcome in. Good morning. Welcome in to New York Game Day. Good
4: morning, Anita. Um this question is for the uh former Giants player. Good morning, sir. How are you?
1: I'm going great. How are you doing?
4: I'm doing well. I wanted to European, okay. You you played for the New York Giants for for a couple years, I guess, you know. Um I do follow the Giants for many years, okay. Um Um the recent hiring of this coach, um, from uh, Buffalo, okay, I understand. Um, um, what type of um, when you interview a head coach, what type of questions do they ask in the interview process, and how did they determine this is the this is the right one?
2: Well, thank you, thank you for your call. Um, I think that that's a question that I've actually had myself a lot of times is. What are you looking for? And I I think Mike T like you'd be a great person to ask, uh, you know, to answer this question, because I I genuinely want to know, too, like, what are the questions? What are the deliverables that they're asking um, for a head coach and and what goes into it? Because as far as the NFL goes, a lot of, of. you know, who, you know, comes into play when you're talking about getting opportunities and getting jobs. So, uh, I appreciate the call, uh, Mike T I'll ask you that one. Like what, what are they looking for to come out of the interview? Like, how do you wow somebody? How do you impress somebody? Or how do you let somebody down?
5: Yeah, there's a number of ways. Um, sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes it's a little bit more subtle. Um, Bill Pulliam recently wrote an article, um, talking about why he hired Tony Dungy, uh, Joe Banner wrote an article about why he hired Andy Reid. And um, I've been involved, again, with with about four searches myself. And I, it comes back to a couple of very fundamental pillars, guys. One is really, like, authentic leadership. And I know sometimes I've been guilty as charged of, like, well, this side of the ball or that side of the ball, or can they develop a quarterback? But it's really about leadership and culture, because over time, you really hope you're going to lose coaches on both sides of the ball. Uh, Mike Shanahan was very influential on me. He talked about in his process of hiring people that he was slow to hire and fast to fire and he would lose coaches, but he'd spend two to three days with each one making sure that he understood their football acumen. So um, I think at the end of the day, you want to be comfortable with someone who's going to be a CEO, somebody that has great listening skills. One of the questions I would ask is tell me the time you walked into a meeting and somebody was able to change your mind. Because that's an example of a growth mindset, and somebody that when you're sitting in that seat, you're making a decision. You want the West Coast scout to feel empowered. Uh, in the Giants' case, you want Kevin Abrams to be able to disagree with you and, and tell you why. You want to hear from Chris Marr. Like you want to take all that information in, and then make the best decision possible.
2: That, that being said, um, so, guys, let's let's vote. No, one question, like all right, so. That being said, there's always been. Um, a disconnect or a disproportionate amount of you know, white head coaches, black players, and even this year, ex- especially, especially and more than ever, you know, there's been an extreme reduction in the amount of black head coaches out there. So, when I'm asking the question, you know, I I want your honest opinion, but I I also wonder how much is it of uh, a cultural difference in those meeting rooms, in those interviews where ownership and general managers are trying to communicate with a a coach and they're trying to understand what his long-term plan is or how he's gonna communicate to the players is gonna be. What can we do differently to get black head coaches these same opportunities and to, to get that, that communication barrier broken? Because when it comes from a head coach who doesn't have, have the ability to communicate effectively to the black players, we institute all these different pieces, so you br- they bring in different people to help, you know, uh, decipher the communication or to help you know smooth the the relationship over. But when it comes to a black head coach and ownership, you just don't see those same um, needs being met. So, so my question is, how do we even that playing field? How do we get it so that there's there's not this you know inevitable bias when it comes to the interview process?
5: Yeah, no, that's it's such an important topic. I'm so glad you brought it up. Um, you know, one of the great privileges I have now in my career is uh, I'm on the faculty at Columbia University in their master's program. And the last two years, like, we looked at the Rooney Rule and why it's not been effective. And the students came up with a, a great idea, uh, much more insightful than anything I had heard. And really what they had talked about, and if you think about it, it makes all the sense in the world. Like, when you think about the Rooney Rule right now, guys, like, it's really trying to put a Band-Aid on a problem. And the idea really would be, systemically is to institute a rule at the beginning of people's careers meaning as you enter hire entry level people even interns you know is that pool of people gender and racially diverse so for every intern you hire like making sure that playing field is equal because if you do that effectively guys over the next 2 to 3 years if it's done correctly over time the Rooney rule would be less necessary because the the qualified pool of candidates should continue to expand. And with that said, there's already so many, like to me, I know Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles should be a head coach right now. I've hired Aaron Glenn as a player. I've hired Aaron Glenn as a scout. The first thing Aaron Glenn said to me when we hired him as a scout, hey Mike, will you pay for me to go get my MBA? I'm like, of course we will. Like, Aaron Glenn's gonna be a great head coach. D'Amico Ryans, like there's a number of really well-qualified African-American coaches that I I think deserve an opportunity right now, Kiwi. Mm -hmm. And then fundamentally, um, instead of seeing coaches' sons get hired for these jobs, let, let's make sure that like the pipeline of the entry level jobs are are much more equal footing.
2: No, I, Listen, I like it, it's
1: a, it's a great it's it's a great topic, um, you know. But you know, one of one of the comments that that I've I've heard is you know until the day that owners allow African American coaches to sit at the big boy table. Um, and and allow them to quote unquote dine uh, with the ownership. Nothing's going to change. I, I mean, you know, we could sit here and we can we can beg and plead for the NFL and the NFLPA to to help in, in, install and instill these things. But until ownership is a lot more open minded in regard to giving African Americans a bigger chance, a bigger piece of the pie, nothing's going to change. And um and and that's to me that's first and foremost the mentality <clears throat> and. It needs to change with the ownership, Mike. We we know that.
5: Yeah. You know what else would really work, guys? You know, you hear owners, and I'm not talking about any owner in particular when I make this comment, but this time of year, like, we need to change. We need to evolve. We need to modernize. You know, you look at, like, what goes on in Europe with, like, relegation. Could you imagine if the top 24 teams in the NFL got to compete for a championship and got 124th of the national TV dollars and the bottom eight, were relegated to playing on Saturdays, not on prime time, and couldn't win a Super Bowl. You don't think those eight organizations would comport themselves differently than they do today in terms of who's making the decision, how they make the decision, nepotism, other you know other things like that. And we, we won't see that in our lifetime, but I think there's a lot to be said about meritocracy and the whole idea of, again, relegation is really about meritocracy. The best teams get the people for a championship, and the bottom ones don't, and it hurts them financially, and certainly hurts them from a prestige standpoint. Could you imagine if some of the teams over the last five years that had the worst records? You don't think they would take a much longer and harder look at themselves if they were being impacted financially and also from a standpoint of couldn't win a championship?
2: Yeah, but we but we understand the makeup of the NFL. We understand who's in those meetings and who's making those those decisions. So, Anita, I, I understand your point. There does have to be a, a widespread change that starts at the top and starts with ownership. But also, given the situation that we're in right now, we have to do something. So we who have voices, we who are you know charged with making decisions have to do something to advance the initiative of getting more people of color represented in, uh, represented in in the front office, for example, I, I, I told you I took my daughter with me to New York this weekend when I was filming the Odds Within show on, on MSG, and part of the reason I took her and I have a son too who's two years younger. I don't think he's mature enough to sit still and sit quiet in the green room. But uh, part of, <laughs> that, that's that, you know that's 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 besides the point. Part of the reason I took her is because Talia and um, uh, uh, um, and the producer are black women, and they are responsible. Um, uh, Jure. sorry, I forgot her name. But, very quick. but anyway, but they're responsible for putting on the show. And it was important for me to show my daughter, these two black women who are in positions of authority and have control over how this operation goes and how it, how it runs. And I watch her and I, I watch her development. And in her lifetime, we've had Kamala, Kamala Harris, we've had Barack Obama. So she knows a black president, she knows a black female vice president. So it's no longer a big deal for this, this generation that's coming up in terms of visualizing themselves in positions of authority i think the nfl is still far behind that in terms of allowing there to be representation allowing the decisions to be made at a higher level and every chance we get we need to have this discussion about you know what does it actually mean because i don't think that all Um, not just racism, but I don't think that all um, discrimination is institutional or it's even intentional. I think sometimes it's just a matter of familiarity. And, you know, you're going to, like you said, nepotism, you're going to hire people who are coming from your same circles. Well, how do we interject ourselves into those circles? And I think it's just, it's a conversation that needs to be had.
0: New York game day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks.